0: We're going to begin with the trial of a sitting sheriff. Jury selection is scheduled to begin today for Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer on two misdemeanor counts. And Cairo News Radio's Hannah Scott joins us now to, uh, first of all, remind us what all this is about. Hannah.
1: Good morning, Dave. Yes. So, just to remind everybody, this all started back on the early morning hours of January 27th, 2021, when Sheriff Ed Freyer said he was uh, had been off work, was sitting in his living room. He noticed what he thought was a suspicious vehicle going in and out of driveways in his neighborhood. He proceeded to call. Uh, he got out of his vehicle and he followed that vehicle. He was in his personal vehicle, um, and then he called a, like, like a backup number uh, for law enforcement and got routed through to dispatch to report that he had had this interaction with what was a black uh it turned out to be a black newspaper delivery driver named cedric alzheimer uh, sheriff Troyer didn't know that at the time as he followed uh mr alzheimer got out approached him asked why he was following there was an interaction that went on for several minutes uh, in in this dispatch call, Ed Troyer tells the dispatcher three times that the man he's following has threatened to kill him, and that's really what's at the heart of this case. Because again, this was a black newspaper delivery man who'd been driving this route for eight years. He, uh, it's an all-white neighborhood. He has said that he felt that his civil rights were violated, that Sheriff Ed Troyer uh, had uh, was being racist, that kind of thing. Uh, he's got actually a pending lawsuit against Pierce County over this whole interaction, but there was a public outcry because when Sheriff Troyer told the dispatcher that the man had threatened his life three times on this call, it prompted what's known as a high-priority response, which basically alerted every law enforcement agency in the area, and over 40 units responded initially. They eventually got called off because when officers arrived, they pretty quickly realized that it wasn't the threat level that they thought, um, that there was no threat against the sheriff, uh, who, according to court records, eventually had told officers that, in fact, there was no threat made. So that's the issue. He's charged Now with two misdemeanor counts of false reporting, different kinds of false reporting, those were filed by the state attorney general's office because uh, after Governor Inslee called for an investigation because of the public outcry, we had this investigated at the AG level.
0: Has it ever been explained? I mean, because newspaper delivery drivers, this is what they do every morning. It's not as frequently as it was in the newspaper's heyday, but, you know, they right. They go from driveway to driveway uh, through a neighborhood and, you know, or, or they, you know, drive by tossing the newspaper out the window into the driveway. Was there ever any explanation as to why this particular morning, this particular person caught uh, Chora's attention?
1: Uh, Not really. I know that uh, I spoke to Sheriff Troyer uh, uh, when the story first broke and I asked him what was going on. He said he was he stays up late. Uh, I I believe it was around two o'clock in the morning. He said he was watching TV and he just happened to notice because the lights were on in this vehicle and it was going in and out of driveways. So I I believe the suspicion was that this was perhaps like a porch pirate. Uh, You know, he says on this dispatch call, he describes this guy's car as uh, like a homeless looking vehicle describes the guy himself as looking possibly homeless so perhaps there's some kind of you know initial bias going on there uh, regarding you know the type of vehicle it was that maybe that's a criminal but n- nothing other than that
2: what's the se- feeling inside the building among the the rank and file that their sheriff is under investigation
1: you know, there's an overall uh, sense uh, just generally that this has been going on in the area for a couple of years here now that this is, you know, another assault kind of on law enforcement. There's been a lot. It's been pretty tight lipped out of Pierce County. This was super public when it first broke had the Pierce County Council calling for an investigation. But the fact of the matter is that she- uh, Ed Troyer is an elected sheriff. So unless the people opt to not re-elect him he is still the sheriff if he were to be charged with a felony or found to have done something with malfeasance which i don't believe uh, of his office which i don't believe is on the table in these current charges then there could be uh, he could be barred from office so that's a possibility should it rise to that level but again that's not something going on right now
0: car news Hannah scott thank you hannah you bet Seattle's Morning News, Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. Here is CBS financial analyst Jill Schlesinger. Uh, First of all, just an update on the fight against inflation. Is it showing progress?
3: Yeah, I guess so. A little bit of progress for sure. You know, it it shows more progress in something that's interest rate sensitive, like in the housing market. Right. The housing market is basically ground to a halt Um, and doesn't mean that prices are plunging yet. But it is clear that there is. You know, there's a real slowdown. Prices are probably going to follow. Um, But that's where you see it most dramatically. Overall, sure, prices are coming down. They're still high. You know, we're still in the high sevens of uh, the the headline rate, the core rates above 6%. That's... Hi, And so the Fed's going to keep raising interest rates, certainly in December. Maybe they'll do uh, 50 basis points, a half of a percentage point, not 0.75 percent.
0: This, of course, is the shopping season, and you go into a store and they say, "Oh, by the way, you can save, you know, name your percentage, 20 percent if you sign up for our in-store charge card, should yeah. people do that?
3: No, 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 no. Definitely not. First of all, you know, every time you have new credit, it's just one more thing to manage. Don't buy it. Don't do it. Use if you're really into like buying on credit, just use one of those rewards cards that gets you cash back that, you know, and there's a zillion places online where you can compare them. But um, by the way, I will tell you that a lot of surveys are showing consumers at least say because we don't know what they're going to do. They're going to spend less on the holidays hmm. and they're going to be less charitable, which hmm. is not so great. We'll talk about charity next week. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting time because it is still the case, if you look overall, that it, it appears that there is still excess savings from the pandemic. But... It is really only for the rich people who still have their savings. So we could see like this very strange bifurcated holiday season where people who have a bunch of money and money and savings spend like nuts. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the country says, you know what, I'll be a little bit more cautious this year.
0: Like I say, it pays to make rich friends.
3: Well, or, either that or richer poor, it's nice to have money.
0: Yeah. So uh, student loans, the loan program is in limbo. It's been held up by
3: the courts. What do student borrowers do at this point? Well, I mean, the problem is that this is a program that was announced over the summer, and a lot of people made decisions based on that announcement. So before you get all high and mighty about whether it's good or bad, just remember there's more than 40 million people who have been planning their financial lives predicated on the fact that they may have some of their student loans Wiped out. So, if you remember, this was um, the loan forgiveness plan was only for federal student loans, not to private ones. The plan intended to provide a one time loan cancellation of up to ten thousand dollars. For borrowers who are in less than $125,000 a year, two hundred fifty dollars if you are married filing jointly. If you were a Pell Grant recipient, you got to up to $20,000 wiped out. That's a lot of moolah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some Parent PLUS loans as well. If they were federal Parent PLUS loans and you were under those income limits, you'd get up to $10,000 wiped out. So there are a lot of people who made decisions... Based on that, a couple of them called my podcast and said to me, one just said to me, you know, I, I thought I was going to have the $6,000 that was left over that I still had in student loans wiped out. So I put $6,000 in my Roth IRA. Should I undo the Roth? I mean, that's a lot of – there are a lot of people who made decisions based on this. So. Unfortunately, we don't know what the answer is until this works its way through the court system.
0: Yeah. And now the argument is that this is inflationary, which I think is the reason that, you know, certain members of Congress want to kill it. Is it?
3: Well, first of all, the same. The, you mean the members of Congress who voted for the 2017 tax cuts that were <laughs> um cost more than this and actually did nothing? Um So that's funny. Um Look, when you put more money in the system, it is inflationary. Um, I don't think that that's the real issue here. I think the real issue is, can this actually be legal? Can one department of the administration, the Department of Education, wipe out all of this debt with a stroke of a pen rather than going through Congress? And I think that's probably the bigger issue here. I saw the
0: news that Bob Iger is returning to Disney as their uh, CEO. Yeah. Apparently he's got some magic that they can't duplicate. This reminds us uh, here in Seattle, of course, of, um, of uh, Howard Schultz returning to run Starbucks last March as uh, interim CEO. Um, what's, what's behind this kind of thing? How, how can large corporations screw up so badly that they have to bring the old guy back?
3: Battle of the Bobs. Um,
4: <laughs> what?
3: Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say that because I've been thinking about that. Um, you know, sometimes the person who's waiting to become the CEO. Is a better number two than a better number one? And maybe what they didn't realize, that there are certain soft skills that the OG Bob Iger, um, maybe he had skills that weren't quite as noticeable to the, to the board um, that were important. And I always point this out to people, you know, yes, you have to have the good, you have to have the chops, right? You have to be able to run a company, but you also have to get people to like you. I'm sorry to say, Mr. Musk may be finding that out a little
0: yeah. bit. You think he's going to call but, Jack Dorsey back?
3: Yeah, I don't know. He was terrible also. And uh, always note to self as a shareholder, I like to have a CEO who has one job, not three. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that this, the Chapek thing just got off to a super rocky start when he seemed to kind of like, not call out Florida and not be supportive of the LGBTQ community that works for Disney. And then a lot of other things started to happen like he had seemed to have a terrible relationship with the actors and writing community. That's bad. And and guess what? You know what really seemed to tip the balance? A rotten quarterly earnings report. So when you say, oh, by the way, you know this whole Disney Plus thing that we're banking everything on? If we go into a recession, if things happen, maybe it's not going to be as good as we thought. And that was, I think, put the nail in the coffin for Bob C for the for the next gen. Bob version 2.0. Anyway, too bad on him. I'm sure that he's really unhappy with his collecting all of his millions through 24 because they just signed <laughs> a new contract with him. Just one more thing.
0: any that uh, missing cryptocurrency money show up
3: yet? negative mm, okay. like, you know what I love about this the story is so old and fabulous because uh you know where's the money it's like uh you know what this is essentially a run on the bank and fortunately the bank's not regulated no yeah just like they used There's to nobody you, you can call you can't call you know what I really want I want a I want a financial system that's just direct person to person good luck with that yep. have fun
0: Jill Schlesinger Jill thank you Take care. Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. There was a report over the weekend that the money has run out from the Warp Speed program that was used to develop the the COVID vaccines. And as a result, Americans may not get access to the new nasal vaccines, which are supposed to be a lot more effective. Let's call in the doctor. Hey, Dr. Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. So, Dr. Cohen, on the uh, on the warp speed program begun under the Trump administration, now we're hearing that the money has run out, and that might mean that we don't get a nasal vaccine as quickly as the rest of the world will. So, what's the significance of that?
4: The benefit to a nasal COVID vaccine is that it would land initially in your nasal mucosa, the cells that line your Uh, Airway from the nose and then in your trachea, you know, your windpipe. So those cells where the virus first encounters our body and where the infection starts, they would develop immunity locally so that they could fight the infection more effectively before it ever starts. And nasal vaccines have that benefit, and they can do it much more rapidly than a shot based vaccine, where it's injected into your muscle and it takes weeks or even months for us to build up antibodies. And the antibodies, you know, they circulate in our blood, but they don't necessarily stop the infection in its tracks when it uh, hits the lining of the windpipe, the trachea.
0: Now, this was developed, uh, this technology, the nasal spray was developed here in the U.S., is that correct?
4: Well, people have been working on nasal spray technology um, worldwide. But what was interesting in this particular story was that because of the bureaucratic problems associated with the funding for the development of vaccines, other countries have raced ahead of us in getting approval of nasal spray vaccines. And one of the technologies was actually invented in St. Louis and has been uh, being trialed overseas. And so theoretically, it creates a scenario where Americans would have to go overseas uh, to get the latest American vaccine technology. So, as absurd as that sounds, that's sort of the situation that we're in right now. Because without the funding, there can't be trials taking place.
0: So, is there any legitimate reason why the funding would be held up? The implication of the article is it's it's sort of a tit for tat thing. Members of some members of Congress don't like the way that uh, Joe Biden spent the last COVID appropriation. So now now they're going to block this one.
4: Right. I mean, that's the political part of it. But there's also somewhat of an intellectual property problem and another bureaucratic problem where research that's done in this country historically was always done in universities and academic laboratories and sometimes within pharmaceutical companies. And uh, it would go very, very slow. And what Operation Warp Speed did is it, it threw a ton of resources at developing a vaccine in a very short period of time. And it demonstrated that can, in fact, happen. And one of the problems that has arisen is that the United States, when it purchased all these vials of vaccine from Moderna and from Pfizer, they signed an agreement that they would not use the vials for anything other than treating patients and not for not giving it to laboratories for research purposes. So the labs in the United States that do research on nasal vaccines can't even get mRNA vaccine to help aid in the development of a nasal vaccine.
0: So the the pharmaceutical companies got an agreement when they joined Operation Warp Speed that their vaccines could only be used to treat patients, but not used in presumably studies to develop a superior vaccine. Is that what they were trying to protect themselves from?
4: That, that's correct, it, but also that they claim that they have liability that is unanticipated because they weren't developing a nasal vaccine. So, you hmm. know, it's it's very hard to tease it out. And like I said, it's probably something in the middle. Hmm.
0: So I don't see any solution, easy solution to that. Then, unless the the government says, well, being the government, we're going to rip up that agreement and uh, use your vaccines anyway.
4: Right. So it, it is a challenge. One of the virologist researchers interviewed in this story has said that, uh, you know, their team's uh, nasal vaccine has undergone most of its testing in Mexico. And they're collaborating with a pharmaceutical company there in Mexico that's really offered the fastest path to clinical trial funding uh, because the situation in the United States is so dire.
0: So in other words, people in Mexico could get the nasal vaccine before we do.
4: That's correct. Plus, uh, in Europe and Iran, they're they're way ahead of us.
0: Well, there's either going to be a really angry congressional hearing or, or this is headed to court. What do you think?
4: Look, I think that everybody plays a role here. The Democrats, it's the Republicans, it's the pharmaceutical companies, it's our patent laws in this country. All of it plays a role. And I can sort of understand everybody's perspective. Having said that, I think that if the... U.S. government were to suddenly give these research laboratories vials of of vaccine that they say, hey, we paid for it and we're going to give it to these laboratories so they can help to develop a nasal vaccine, which will be superior, that, you know, Pfizer and Moderna would immediately file a lawsuit and would get dragged out in court for years and years and years and it would never get developed anyway. So who knows?
0: Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. Dr. Cohen, thank you. Thanks, Dave. This is Seattle's Morning News, Monday morning. While concerns about rising crime continue, the King County Prosecutor's Office wants to reassure people that they are charging the criminals when they get the evidence to convict them. Karen News Radio's Hannah Scott is here with this week's Crime and Punishment Report with more on the cases that were filed in October. Good morning, Hannah.
1: Good morning, Dave. Yeah. King County Prosecutors say that more than 600 cases were filed by the prosecutor's office last month.
5: What remains the most common property crime is vehicle prowls and vehicle thefts. And King County Prosecutors are charging cases of vehicle prowls and vehicle thefts every day. Over 21 business days in October, there were 74 of those charges that that were filed. Uh, And that's that's a relatively consistent number. The hard part is is you know everybody knows somebody who hasn't had a vehicle recovered or or doesn't have a great story of the person who who did it being caught and convicted but that's That doesn't mean that we're not filing those cases. As we get those from police, we're we're filing those every day.
1: That's Casey McNerthney with the King County Prosecutor's Office. He says another category that makes up a lot of the cases they file is gun crimes.
5: In addition to our Crime Strategies Unit, which looks at where those shootings happen and and how we can address those uh, concerns and those trends to prevent more tragedies, We're also really everyday charging gun crimes, and that could be unlawful gun possession where people have handguns or even more powerful weapons against court orders. There were 43 of those that were charged over the 21 days in October, uh, the 21 business days, that is. And that's in addition to assault cases. There's almost 100 assault cases. A lot of those included guns and also armed robberies. There were 23 robberies or attempted robbery charges last month.
1: So all of those end up having guns involved. Another top priority, crimes against businesses.
5: Commercial burglaries are another area of of focus here because those are, you know, we don't want to see businesses go. And we know that they're getting hit pretty hard, not just in Seattle, but across King County. So we charged 81 burglaries and attempted burglaries in October. That includes 57 and commercial businesses. So, So it's not just residential cases.
1: And while the state Supreme Court's Blake decision limits what cops and prosecutors can do for personal drug use, Casey says prosecutors are still busting the drug dealers.
5: When you particularly have somebody who's pushing fentanyl or meth, um, and very often, uh, you know, roughly a third of those cases are people who also have guns while they're doing it. Uh, we're charging those cases. There were 31 drug dealers who were charged in, in October. That's up slightly from September and August. Um, uh, that includes eight fentanyl cases and nine meth cases. And the outcomes
1: of these types of cases,
5: they routinely get convictions, and, and these are not people who are small-time drug dealers. Uh, there's this this kind of myth that we're charging people, you know, for low levels of pot, and that's just not happening. There was one of those cases was a marijuana. Uh, a possession with intent last month but that was a guy who already was out on bail for a separate ongoing drive-by shooting case and he had a handgun against court orders so that's the kind of marijuana case uh that we're handling in the rare cases that we do see those from police
1: and so just so you know, so the 31 case, drug dealing charges that they filed from the King County prosecutors last month that he just talked about, uh, again, there were eight fentanyl cases there. In the month prior, in September, there were 29 total drug dealing charges filed. That included 12 fentanyl cases. The month prior to that, August, there were also a dozen fentanyl cases out of the 29 filed then. And in July of the 26 drug dealing charges, there were eight fentanyl cases. So all told, in the past four months, King County prosecutors have filed and 15 drug dealing charges and most of those are fentanyl cases 40 total 35 percent of all the drug dealing cases filed in that last four months an interesting note i don't think i've shared before is that all fentanyl dealing cases they are also exempt from the diversion program so those folks do not get that offer for diversion
0: oh so they go to jail and so that's that's my next question yeah. it sounds like they're really charging a lot of people but uh, you also mentioned that uh, one of these guys who got charged had been out on bail from a previous crime
1: Right, exactly. And so, again, you see a lot of overlap, right? So you have that that person who was involved in in a theft case that he was out on bail for, but also had a gun that he wasn't supposed to have. So, so many times when they break do the breakdown on how many guns are involved or how many gun crimes they file, you've got these cases where there's an overlap and it doesn't necessarily fall under that headline. But so many times you have illegal guns, and so often these are guns that are, again, stolen from somebody's home they're not secured and that's a lot of what the prosecutors see
0: yeah and when you and when you uh, get a guy on a gun charge does it stop there or do they investigate uh again how he got it and then go after those people
1: they do, but that tends to be uh, there's some level of that done at the local law enforcement level, and then I believe there's uh, some done with the ATF, but there's uh, oftentimes, uh, most of the time I talk to prosecutors when we got somebody with an illegal gun I always make it a habit to ask uh, where where did this gun come from, and if they know, almost all the time, it is the, it's either that it's a ghost gun that's got no serial number or it's a gun that's been taken from a home and then from there, you know, we have our, our law in the state that does allow for some level of uh like a fine or something for people who don't safely secure their weapon, but it's not—they uh, they can't make it a crime, right? You can't charge those people unless somebody is is hurt, uh, murdered with yeah. a stolen gun that wasn't secured.
0: Mm. Uh, now, in the of course, in the school shooting, we had a gun that had been reported as lost. Do we have any more information on that?
1: No, I just know that that came out of Snohomish County, and uh, they're still working on the on the tracking of that—that that it was lost. That could, uh, you know, I don't think that you're walking down the street and your gun falls out, right? And well, that's what everybody's is wondering. Street, how so. do you lose? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, more than likely that ends up being something that was taken out of somebody's home and is maybe reported stolen or maybe not reported stolen. Uh, we, uh, you know, we don't know. Did it come, uh, is there a kid in the house? Did the kid take it? Anything like that could happen. So I haven't heard any final resolution to that. I do want to also point out that the overall cases filed by the King County prosecutors last month, once again, which has been the case for several months in a row, the majority of cases, the most common crime is domestic violence mm-hmm. and accounted for nearly 21% of all of that, more than 600 cases that were filed last month were domestic violence cases. Uh, There's some new ways that they're looking at these and handling these, and I'm going to have more on that for you tomorrow morning. All right. Kyrie News Radio's Hannah Scott. Thank you, Hannah. You bet. Time for your daily dose of kindness. It's brought to you by
2: Heritage Homecraft. A man who learned to cut hair in the Navy decades ago is now using his skills to help the poorest people of South Africa. CBS's David Begno
6: has the story. In the basement of a Minnesota retirement home, in a workshop turned barbershop, Tom Gorski is doing what he's done for 70 years. Yeah. The haircuts are free, but tips are expected and appreciated gorski learned to cut hair in the navy then perfected his skills over 36 years in his minneapolis shop and now he uses them to help the poorest people of south africa there's a need and i have resources that's what you do gorski and his wife mary saw that need firsthand 10 years ago with the organization arm and arm he was determined to help give it to people that need it more than we do instead of just dropping the ball like the rest of us all did he keeps cutting hair to do some good in the world and we all appreciate that best thing we ever did in five years Gorski has raised $13,000 cutting hair and he's donated thousands more as long as my hands are steady I'll just keep doing it one person can make a difference you just pull up your sleeves and you do what the heck you can. Tom the barber, using his skill to make the world a more beautiful place. David Begno, CBS News.
2: David appears to be whispering in
0: this Yes, report. he is. Did you yes. notice? It's like golf. When yeah. you're watching a haircut, you don't want to disturb the artist at work. Just a haircut right. clap. 747 and now direct from the Gia Ursula show Which starts at 9 Here is G. Scott Will be co-hosting the Christmas tree lighting ceremony Downtown yeah. That sounds
7: Attrican pretty exciting way. That's
2: big time, don't forget us When <sighs> you're
0: like yeah.
7: I've never even been to a tree lighting ceremony It's so fun And to be able to do this with the Seattle Downtown Association on Friday, come on down. I can't wait to do it. I got family that's going to be in town. So I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm super, super excited, super honored to be doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have my family to be like, wait, what? Yeah. You wouldn't even go to a parade. <laughs> you are the parade. Yeah,
0: it is. So I'm. Yeah. I'm seriously looking forward to. You it. Do You get to flip the actual switch or plug in the cord or whatever it is that uh, makes the tree
7: light up. You know, Dave. I would love to lie to you and tell you yes or no. Uh-huh. I don't know. You don't know. I just. <laughs> I do know I'm a part of a countdown. Uh-huh. I do know that I'm part of the ones that gets to tell people like, oh, ho, is kid ready to get started. Yeah. I am going to be introducing the mayor, Mayor Bruce Harold. He's going to be talking and. I'm I don't know if the mayor is listening right now, but I was looking at the script and the script says, uh, Bruce mayor Harrell to talk for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I just said, what? <laughs> wait, so whose job is it to say, Hey mayor, you can only talk for two minutes. Yeah. Do y'all know who Bruce Harrell is? You get
2: the he's, cane. He's, he's gotta tell, you got to take him off stage. Well, I mean, it's
7: a big job. He's got to tell you one Seattle. About ten times <laughs> first, yeah. so I can't. It I'm looking forward. They to it.
2: used to like use almost like a bubble machine to look like. This is how my family and I used to kick off the holiday season yeah. the day after Thanksgiving. You go down there to start the morning and get mm-hmm. your shopping done and head to the tree lighting. And yeah, they used to have like it was like fake snow falling. It's very magical.
7: I can't wait to have a great time. I can't wait, uh, Dave. What are we talking about today, bro?
0: Turkey thawing the turkey.
7: Don. Oh, first of all, if you're if you are having turkey. Have you taken your turkey out of the freezer? Get it out. It's yeah. the time right now. should have been yesterday, but today is okay. Get it out there. Get it ready. And the second part, if you're having turkey, why? Mm-hmm. Why are you having that. turkey? It's you the most boring Traditional. What?
2: It's traditional. Traditions for what, though? Like,
7: <laughs> Turkey. what tradition? What? Overeating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody. Overeating that's slang. the thing, though. Nobody overeats turkey. Yeah. Yeah. You overeat sides. Uh-huh. You overeat desserts. Right? Nobody sits there and says, oh, man, I had way too much turkey. Well, actually, I take that back. You say that that's the reason why you're so full, but you just have four pieces of cake. Yeah. Mm.
2: I've never yeah. met somebody who is like that was the best turkey I've had in my life. They're always like, "Well, you put some gravy on a little cranberry sauce, and it was good." They'd have to examine nobody- this. Then, why? I-,
0: I guess then the only reason people do it is because it just looks so spectacular to yes. have that big brown bird in the center of the table. Yeah, it's just got a plastic one, and, 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 and all turkey needs help. You know. Every turkey so needs help. It
7: needs gravy, it needs cranberry, it needs to be deep fried, it needs to be this, it needs to be that. The turkey cannot stand alone by itself. Well, what meat can, though? Chicken. What? What? Chicken, <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just St- kidding. Wait,
2: steak? Ham?
7: Steak. steak? Steak can stand alone by itself. Beef brisket by itself. You, you don't need eat. no sauce, You don't get it. You don't rub it with anything? Well, I mean, you rub it. You yeah, know, everybody yeah. need a rub. Yeah, you see. know what I'm saying? He rub. But with
2: that rub, you actually get a return on your Investment. Come on, You can, can shut up that turkeys, whatever. <laughs> and it's still tasting like nothing.
0: <laughs> so uh, there's no point talking about stuffing Am the I turkey because right? we're not having a turkey this year. No. And who, understand- okay,
2: and then also, who puts their stuffing in the the, the carcass
0: of the turkey. <laughs> That's the most disgusting
2: presentation. Why do you? You don't have to do that. Touching the internal well, organs. Nobody has of to do
0: anything. Well, the internal organs, I hope, have been removed. I
2: know, but they still have the essence of them inside the carcass. <laughs> That's and you're the whole
0: point, the, though. They're supposed to, the flavors are supposed to meld, I thought.
7: But there's no flavor! <laughs>
0: Well, that's what you answer the spices are
2: for. This was supposed to be G's tirade against Turkey. I've taken over. This
7: is great. Here's my question, though. The the holiday season is here. Thursday is coming. Question. Is there anybody that's a part of the family that is going to be, maybe friend or family, that's going to be there on Thursday, and every single year they always want to bring that one dish? Oh, I'm going to bring it. And then when they show up, they're always policing that dish. Hey, Colleen, did you get some? Did you get some? And then you don't want to say it to them, no. but you're thinking it, and you're just like, mm, yeah, you know what? On the next, I had already planned it. It's yeah. gonna be the next plate. And then when you go and get some, and they're watching you, like, hey, you getting some? Yeah. And then you put a little bit on the plate. That might
2: be me. I'm kind of a force feeder, although my food's delicious. You're a Thank force feeder. <laughs> nice.
7: Yes, I
2: like. I want to make sure everybody's got like a nice big plate. And get, come on, you got. So what's that one dish?
7: What What's the one dish that somebody brings to your ha- house? Dave, you want to put somebody on blast right now? Somebody that's always coming over. They got to bring you, like, you got to taste
0: my candy yams with the marshmallows. But, they are good, though. Mm-hmm. I will say. Oh, the candy yams, I like those. I like those too. The green bean salad with the panko sprinkled on top and a little cheese. I like that. And it's the a The green bean
2: salad with panko? So it's,
0: it's a green bean casserole.
2: Oh, Cass- casserole. Yeah, no. Dave. Let's
7: not talk
0: about it. Can- <laughs> Be real man.
7: There's you mean to tell me all the food's good? There's not one person that brings that it always wants to bring the
0: dish and it's just not good? I don't think I've ever had a dish that that I couldn't eat somebody was right.
2: trying to force you to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's but, well, the one no, that eats the peanut like kale that. sandwiches. I've had so. people
0: like that who are always telling you, eat more of this, eat more of that. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, you know, I have my excuses ready. Oh, no, I'm on a diet. You know. <laughs> Dave or can't or I, be peer pressured. That's the thing. Yeah. Or, 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 or no, I, it was so good. I, I already had so much. Oh, so you're a liar. Yeah, yeah I'm a liar. So, <laughs> so Dave, what, a meal, liar. what meal are you looking forward to on Thursday? I, I'm looking forward to the company. In Aww. terms of eating a lot, at my age, G, this is what you'll find as you grow older. the portions you're capable of consuming begin to dwindle, I've heard so that. that you just begin sort of snacking. Mm-hmm. So my ideal meal is to have, you know have the leftovers out there and I can just walk by any time and you know grab one.
7: love that. Here's the biggest question I'll leave you guys with, something to think about. Yes or no. do you have breakfast? On Thursday morning, <laughs> oh,
2: very light, very light, I, I, just coffee, just I coffee, think. yeah, just coffee. Maybe don't be Why no,
7: Don't we really give me no breakfast? I don't know <laughs> breakfast. And what time does Thanksgiving start? Thank you. That's my big. What time qu- does it my start? My husband's
2: family starts eating at like ten a.m. and my family always did dinner time.
7: Girl, you stretch it out. You, 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 you guys know <laughs> that um, ten a.m., eleven a.m. That's the all-American time. Is, Is
2: it? it? Oh, okay. now we, we know.
7: All-American, all American. universal at all oh. nine o'clock. They're oh. not like well, that.
0: They're not like that. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross.
2: And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930.
0: And if you subscribe, you'll never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.